What is up, Internet? Welcome to Self-Defense from All Angles, the podcast where we try to break the echo chamber around self-defense and self-protection. I'm your host, Randy King, speaker on all things proactive skills and owner and operator of 8020 Conflict Management Strategies. This week on the show, we have my first martial arts instructor ever, the guy that started me on this path, Dr. Raj Dollywall. He goes over a ton of stuff. Number one, we talk about his three phases of self-protection, the three areas that he believes self-protection exists exists. We talk about peacetime versus wartime training and how I kind of had an aha moment that might help me in my future online interactions when it comes to talking to instructors. This was very beneficial to me. I'm still learning from Raj, always a wealth of knowledge. We talk about being clear on marketing and also one of my favorite parts of the conversation is we start talking about the resistance that people have to change in new information. Dr. Dollywall obviously has a huge background in education and, and he kind of echoes the problems that I see in the industry where people are resistant to change with new information, which to me is insanity. Raj went a different direction on his Patreon. He bragged about me. Raj goes over my first tournament experience and how he's so proud of me and all the things that a gushing instructor says. Please feel free to jump onto Patreon. There's that story and, of course, all the other extra content. Patreon.com slash Randy King Live. And don't forget, if you're looking for a speaker to talk on proactive self-protection skills or someone to come into your workplace and help train your staff on the realities of workplace violence, don't forget to get a hold of us at 8020cms.com. Now let's get on to the show. What is right, up, cool. everyone? Welcome to this episode of Self Defense from All Angles. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. This guy has been in my life for a very long time. This is Dr. Raj Dollywall. He is my original martial arts instructor. He's the first guy that taught me any kind of martial arts. And we have been friends literally ever since, which is super awesome. So Raj, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's amazing to see you in this uh, setting, Randy. Like you said, we've known each other for a long time, but like it's been actually, I am so proud of you. I know that I say this every time I, I see you, but like your development from when I when you were a teenager to now has been incredible. And like your passion and like your work ethic to like to educate and to like help people is very inspiring. I was going to start first, but now like I'm learning from you, which I think is fucking amazing. So I'm going to start the whole yeah. show all embarrassed now. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Raj, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? So my name is Raj Dollywall. I'm an upper cervical chiropractor, but in addition to doing that, I have been a martial artist for over 30 years, primarily doing Taekwondo, but I've branched off into like a several different other martial arts just to really, uh, experience and experiment, but like Aikido, Aijudo, a lot of uh, jujitsu, and then several classes with Randy himself. Yeah, which is awesome. In fact, your space, the space you were at was the first big seminar I ever did. There's a picture of me on the chair with all the people behind yeah. me. It was the first one that started this whole journey that I'm on now. And so I also have a copy of this from back in the day. Oh, I your, forgot uh, about that. Yeah. <laughs> why, don't you tell, why don't you tell the listeners what that is? So I believe it was in 2000 and I can't remember when we actually did this documentary that uh, Randy put together talking to like uh, several different, I would call them experts or like uh, people that have a lot of experience. Like on the back here, it says uh, Professor Leonard Trigg, Professor Kelly Warden, Rory Miller, Randy King, uh, Mukai Maramo. Myself, uh, it was, it's about 45 minutes long, but it, this is like one of the first actually like real looks at like what was going on in self-defense, in my opinion, ability that we've ever done here up in Canada, actually anywhere. And it was 
a good way to like begin the the discussion. And I think like the podcast that like you're doing right now is it's a product of that. Like you've been talking about this for a long time, and like your education and like your experience have like led you to like be actually a resource for many people to like to like learn about this stuff because like that's where like uh, I think this is going right now. We need to have more educators like yourself. Oh, so. thank you so much. So what Roger's yeah. holding up for the listeners, because you might not have mm-hmm. saw that, is a reality-based self-defense documentary that myself and my friend Chris Jimmo filmed a bunch of years ago. My daughter was like four or five at the premiere. So for the yeah. listeners, this is this exists. We sold it a long time ago. It's actually on YouTube. I'm probably going to move it to this channel just so you can see it. And I'll link it in the show notes if you want to check it out. It's an older documentary, but it was, yeah, myself, Rory, and a bunch of other people, Raj, Mukai, just talking about where the industry was going. And this was like 10 years ago almost now. And pretty much all the predictions mm-hmm. were accurate. That's exactly what's happening is we're moving in this direction. Yeah. So Raj, why don't you tell the listeners what your personal definition of self-defense is? I've actually wrestled with this actually like over the last like, couple of weeks because of like, things that have been going on in the world. And to put it like, very succinctly, I think self-defense has got to do with like, a couple of different levels. First of all, it's personal self-defense. And then like, we talk about like, more public self-defense and then like more national type of stuff. Personal, about like trying to keep myself safe. Um, public is trying to keep like everybody else safe around like in my community and stuff like that and national security national self-defense has got to do with like protecting our our borders and like trying to like help keep the peace so to speak honestly like, i think that like where you're discussing is more about the personal side but like i'm willing to discuss all of them all the different levels as I define them. That's the thing, right? Because yes, my focus is on the personal. I say that self-defense is personal because everybody's goal sets are different. Everybody's reality is slightly different, right? The threats that my daughter faced are not the threats that I face. So I think it's really important that we talk about that. But I do love that you've expanded the concept into these other levels. So why don't you, yeah, why don't you walk all three of those out? Why don't we talk about personal first and then we'll go public and then we'll go national. Personal, like honestly like, has to do with like trying to like, maintain like your sense of being and sense of safety but also like your like, your interactions with the outside world uh this has got to do with like trying to like prepare people pre- prepare myself and like those that i train to like like always like, keep their their eyes open like their sensors on on scanning like we have lots of times where like, we discuss like very minute portions of like personal self-defense like okay like about the training or about like, the like vigilance or about like after effects like it's always kind of like a puzzle that you're trying to put together and like many times like the pieces are coming in haphazardly like you're not learning self-defense proactively it's usually in reaction to something so like i'll use myself as an example i began taekwondo because i was being bullied and like i grew to love taekwondo but like, the imperatives that they like, are the stimulus that they like, brought me to like the taekwondo club was that personal thing but now i've learned more about like what else goes into it say for example like training people like the before the during and the after we've discussed this about like how things have evolved how like as we've learned more from and talked to more people we understand that like self-defense has got so many different aspects so that's on the personal level now on the public level it comes down to the like, public safety in the defensively our or the enforcement of our laws we have police that like, try to do their best and i'm not pro or anti-police i believe that like, we have to like understand like there's different parts to this whole and like, each part is playing it's is doing its job but like, sometimes those jobs are like ridiculously hard i don't envy like our law enforcement officers in today's like environment and world there is so much so many things that like, are like heaped upon like, them 
simultaneously, like from trying to like, maintain their own safety, maintain public safety and public order, but also like, allow people to like have their abilities to, to do what they want to dive in through all sorts of different laws and different statutes and different things that lead, like discussion at the public level is like blowing up through so many different issues currently and i don't want to touch upon like any one that, I, sure. that like, because like, i don't think that that's I, this is an appropriate place to do that i think that like, we have to like understand that like, the idea of public self-defense or public just that level has to like, include like a, a number of voices and a number of discussions are going to have to take place that may be uncomfortable to a lot of different people. It's important to point out the uncomfortable part is when mm -hmm. it comes to protection, when it comes to the needs of everybody and the varying needs in the self-protection space, we have to understand that you're going to be uncomfortable because maybe one of the things that I believe is a super big priority to protect myself is not even on the radar of somebody else. So I think that while mm -hmm. we know it's going to be uncomfortable, we need to embrace that the uncomfortable part of that is where the real answers are going to come from, right? If we're all in an echo chamber and always comfortable, then we're not really making any progress. I always make the joke, my favorite thing to get is hate comments on my stuff. And the reason why I like them so much, it means that I'm I'm out of the echo chamber, right? I'm now talking to people that don't agree with me. That means the message is actually spreading. If we can't have these conversations, these uncomfortable conversations, then there's no way we're going to progress. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree with that. National self-defense. This one's a little bit more tricky because I, so many different competing agendas and like ideas and like philosophies, like this one like becomes again, like it's even harder sometimes uh, to, to define. Like we all want to like be safe. Currently, the current situation in several parts of the world where the like open warfare is, is occurring, like your ideas of public and like personal self-defense are completely different and like, i think that there's a relationship uh, throughout all the different levels but like, which one trumps which is situation dependent like if you're being bombed right now like you're not really caring about like some of like the more personal things about like okay well how am i going to defend myself against an attacker you can't defend yourself against like an incoming shell other than to like shelter or like try to like get out of the out of the target zone and how do you get out of there people will do pretty much anything when they're panicked during their fight or flight, and that can like lead to like public disorder and then like break down on national defense and, and all that. So it's it's a tough one. <laughs> I think it's very interesting to point that out. It's kind of a concept I jokingly talk about with my daughter, but it might bear to bring to more of a public forum, which is there's peacetime mm -hmm. self-defense and there's wartime self-defense. And I think a Absolutely. lot of a lot of the times people, especially the combatives coaches, they're teaching wartime mm -hmm. self-defense to peacetime people, right? So a soccer right. mom doesn't need to know how to kill a dude 87 different ways in peacetime. So mm -hmm. there should be a distinction mm -hmm. between all right, this is a military art that was taught in wartime. So we're not worrying about civil Absolutely. cases. We're not worrying about the aftermath of this. We're trying to survive to get away from the bomb. Do we have to do? That's a really, mm -hmm. you got my head spinning now. I love this distinction. I've never really thought of it like that before. That's awesome. That's why I love this show so much because that actually, you solved a bunch of my arguments uh, right there with just that conversation. So thank you so much. I think really? okay. we need to no. walk out this peacetime versus wartime kind mm -hmm. of self-defense process because mm -hmm. I'm teaching mostly peace time stuff and that's why a lot of the wartime people don't like me because it seems unrealistic to them we used to call it like suburban versus urban distinction the suburban mom like from like, like out there where it's like just a bunch 
of like, houses surrounding like pools and stuff of like that to urban, which is downtown, more like gritty and, and such like that. Like that type of distinction is also like, there because like, there's a lot of pop-up places that like, are coming and offering self-defense classes or self-defense courses to people. They're taking a genuine concern and sometimes like making it commercialized. They're like trying to market it to like bring people in. And I think that that's, that's dangerous. Like, like myself, like I teach at a Taekwondo club. We have a lot of families. I teach general self-defense, like about like principles and then like some like basic techniques. I try to like incorporate like aspects, but like if they want like further training, I send them on to someone else. And like that is, I think sometimes it's more, it's rare, especially like when with many of like the uh, community uh, clubs, martial arts clubs are because they're they're just trying to their purpose and uh, and I know that this might be controversial is that like they're meant there to to like, expose people to like, the the primary parts of the martial art. But then like if you want further training, you need to like go to experts and get the, that specific training. Like yourself, like you 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 have more experience with a lot of different things in the self-defense world and i would like use you as a reference point for where people should go to okay to go talk to you and then go from there i don't claim in any way shape or form that like um the stuff that like, we teach is ineffective but it's not effective for everyone so again you have to be specific and make sure that, like your definitions are are clear it's no good if it just sounds like a bunch of fluff because like there's a lot of different like here's one like you have a mantra that like you teach kids Okay, they need to do do it this way. For blocking, we call it hip, top, block. Uh, that's a very old one that we used to do with like all the different blocks, but it's it works for little kids. Mm -hmm. But in self-defense, you can't have like a formula that like is going to work all the time. Right. You need to have like adaptability. And like that's what I think like the conversation has to like be about is like how do you allow or how do you grow that adaptability and how do you like nurture and how do you like educate it too? Because like right. from the time that you began doing this to now, let's say that it's 20 years. But like, so like if we chop that off into four equal parts, your first five years were different than your second to your third to the, the final, the last five years. But like you've hopefully been getting more experience, better better training, better conversations, better people that are like trying to flame you. Like hopefully like the level of like your haters has gone up with like your level of engagement and, and knowledge too. It absolutely has. And I think you've uncovered or talked about one mm -hmm. of the points that I like to bring up all the time, which is what is the goal of the training? And this I think is one of the most important things you need to look at. I also started Taekwondo because I was being bullied because I was a chunky asthmatic kid with glasses and you would, yeah, I'm the perfect target. At that point, Taekwondo served me so perfectly because it got me mm -hmm. into shape. It taught me the tenets of Taekwondo. I actually really firmly believe that kids should take traditional arts, not to become the ultimate mm -hmm. warrior, but to learn mm -hmm. public speaking, performance, in front of a crowd, adrenaline mitigation before mm -hmm. going to a tournament, getting in shape, perseverance, mm -hmm. all the indomitable spirit stuff that comes from Taekwondo. It served its purpose for me. Mm -hmm. But, and this is of no fault to you, but the marketing of Taekwondo back mm -hmm. then, which was all martial arts, was not only is it all these things, you'll also become a power ranger, right? You'll become this ultimate warrior. <laughs> and then in my experience uh, working in bars and getting into fights, that wasn't true. Yeah. So that's then that's where the thing shifted. And so that's my major message mm -hmm. in the industry is 
I don't care what you teach. There's nothing wrong with learning the art of Japanese sword work because you think it's cool. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to pick mm -hmm. on those people. What I'm saying is if you took this for the purpose of defending yourself, make sure the training is that is the training's ultimate goal. The training's mm -hmm. goal isn't a time capsule to pass on the art. The goal isn't sport competition. The, the entire syllabus and everything you do should match your goal. And not all arts can do that. And not all arts should do that. That's not the purpose exactly. of it. Exactly. Like I train with a variety of different people. I talked about like the, like the families, the kids, like the suburban moms. We also, I've trained with law enforcement, military, paramilitary groups. It's interesting to like, to see like the, the experiences that they bring to the table. But the one thing that I've noticed is that like they understand like the, the difference of like what they're doing. I, and like, many of the say correctional officers that I've uh, worked with have done a really good job of, or I should say the majority have done a good job of trying to separate the two. But like, with anything, like we're humans and we are imperfect. <laughs> and sometimes there's spillover, like the, the violence and the, the level of force that is needed. You can't sometimes throw all that back. Right. Not everyone has the self-control to, to do that. And that leads to like, a lot of problems, which I, I think we need like more research and more like, like treatment plans for, for like when like there's spillover, like mm -hmm. either way. Um, that includes like talking to like different segments like we talked before, but we just need to like actually accept that like what we knew before is what we knew before, but now we know something more and it isn't, it isn't bad. And the medical professionals, like I'm a chiropractor, I trained as a medical doctor, uh, I did medical consulting. I, I've seen like a resistance in many different communities, including the medical community to like incorporate like, like new information especially about like trauma and like about like the the responses that our bodies go through one of my mentors dr robert brooks um actually talked about the issues in the tissues like the the stuff that like happens to our bodies can can stay inside of us and it can create like all sorts of different problems like physically mentally spiritually and if we don't acknowledge that at least and try to like integrate like the way that like we are teaching it and how we're treating and how we're interacting with like people with that in those situations, then we, we're not going to like, be able to, to pro progress. We're going to get into our silos again. And that I think is going to be a travesty <laughs> if that happens. I hope that it doesn't, but like, yeah, there is like a lot of siloing going on right now. So we, we need to combat that. And this is one of the ways to do it. Podcasts are great. Well, I agree. And that's literally the point of the show, right? The tagline is expanding the conversation around self-defense. I'm talking to people that aren't just high level self-defense experts, right? Like, cause that's right. the problem. Mm -hmm. with a lot of podcasts, in my opinion is the echo chamber, right? Everybody's saying the same mm -hmm. thing. Nobody's really expanding. And I, I really want to walk out that thought process of being okay with your information being updated because that is a huge problem in all aspects of the field that I can see mm -hmm. is People, like you said, silos are in that bubble. They're in that, you know, we're only talking about this and there's nothing else. And also the sunk cost fallacy of, well, you know, I've already made charts and graphs on this. This is good enough. I don't need to expand that. And one of the jokes when I ran a gym at KPC was the best part about training at KPC is we're always adapting the information, showing you new stuff. The worst part about training KPC is we're always adapting the information, showing you new stuff, right? So people be like, well, yeah. Well, why are, why are, well, why'd you show us this when there was this thing? And, you know, we can only, and this goes with all decisions, especially when it comes to self-defense and violence is you can only mm -hmm. do the best with the information you have, but be willing to accept new information and then adapt that part point forward. It's a great sign in your coach. It's a great sign in your mentor. If new data comes, 
they absorb it and they say, okay, we no longer do it this way because we found a better method. That's like the intro mm -hmm. in my book literally says, I reserve the right to change every opinion on everything I have in here with new information because that right. has to be there. 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have even like the information I have on the freeze now. Like when we talk about mental and cognitive freezes, this information, this research is mm -hmm. like three years old. To not adapt that in to help people is insane to me when the goal is self-defense, when the goal is recovery from a bad event. No, I agree with that. I think that like, one of the problems that like, is that like, when you take it, new information, try to integrate it and like it takes time and it takes effort. And humans are, are lazy. I read something about like, we're an apex predator, right? So like we should not be like running around like all the time, like stupidly. We're meant to lounge around and like just like just chill, occasionally do some stuff like high energy. But like we, if we go back millions of years, or like we were like we were like stalkers. We just like would go, we would stalk our prey. Yeah. We didn't like have tools. We just like run them down, and like animals would just like die of exhaustion because like who's just like these hairless, two-legged proto monkeys running around after us like that thing but like back to what you're saying like we seem to like have this like like resistance like it, it happens in in many different fields you write the textbook right mm -hmm. this is the pentultimate uh edition of like this thing and it's like got the most up-to-date material but it's usually a year old right and then like new information get can be put into a supplement or like an uh, update but how many people read the updates when like right. you're trying to like create a program <laughs> Like that. Well, ultimate um, example of that, right, is the yeah. theory of an alpha wolf. The guy that wrote mm -hmm. that book wrote a second book saying, oh, everything I said was wrong. This study was about zoo animals, <laughs> but nobody read the second book and everybody's still citing the first book. Oh, there's alpha, blah, blah, blah. And the, even the guy who wrote it is like, no, I wrote another book. Read the next book. It's crazy. I believe that that has to do with like almost like a, it's not like a tribalism, but it's like once you lead, people like latch onto an idea, mm -hmm. it, it, it's like they sink their fingers into it and to disengage or to like kind of like shift is really hard for them right and that like that process like it to admit sometimes that like you were not correct i'm not gonna say wrong but not mm -hmm. correct or not not as informed like there's a lot of people they respond with pride and with ego it's like well i knew that oh of course it's like that 2020 hindsight but to be like oh wow that's interesting and like actually look at it I also think that there's like a problem with like people listen to respond, but not listen to understand. So mm -hmm. you, you get that type of clash then to get people to intake or really to like actually read and kind of like assimilate like the new information also like is a problem because like how do you talk about this stuff sometimes too? Cause like some of it is very, very uncomfortable. Say for example, with like, with the freeze, like what happens like when we talk about like, like how did they get that data? Like who do they talk to? Right. Like some people don't like the source of like that information and we have hangups on everything. And like people like love to like be able to like discount information because like they don't like the source. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I remember someone said like the data speaks for itself. And like the uh, response to that is like data is on a piece of paper. Right. It doesn't come out and like talk humans talk. Mm -hmm. We interpret we give different emphasis with uh, significance to like different parts of 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 the this information and that like, also like, shows our biases like we don't have anybody that's like, giving this like completely unbiased mm -hmm. we try to like, manage our biases and try to like, be as true to ourselves as possible and 
ultimately, this comes under my definition of personal self-defense. We don't want to like, be confronted with like major challenges to like the way that we think things should be happening. When you have like those like, um, sudden crossing of boundaries or like, like sudden threats to your personal self-defense, it's very traumatic and like, people like clamp down and like they will, they're resistant to like, any new information after, after that event. Mm-hmm. And they, it's not that they don't want to move on. It's like they, sometimes they can't. Right. And like, I'll use this as an example. Like, I know of like, like racist ideas, people that I know had because of like events that occurred to them. Uh, mm-hmm. In this particular one, it was like a, a person getting like, attacked, got mugged, uh, and it was a native individual. And then that person couldn't like move on. Like every time they saw someone that looked native, they, they all automatically were on guard. And like, their comments were like very, very derogatory. Mm-hmm. And when they confronted, they're like, well, I'm not racist. I'm not like, no, 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 I have no problem. But then like every time they see them, it's just like, like an automatic response. When to, they had to go for counsel to like overcome that. What it takes to admit that you have a problem is one of the biggest uh, impediments to like learning new information. I totally agree. And I, on a very, like a micro version of this, the way I say it is people like to set it and forget it. They like to, okay, I've learned that. Now I'm done with that. I'm going to move on to the next thing and never think about this again. So self-defense mm-hmm. very often falls in that box. And that's why these weekend courses and stuff are so profitable. It's because, you know, oh, I did my self-defense course. Check. I now know how to defend myself. I can now move on to the next skill set and I never have to think about this again. And you're getting people on both sides. Number one, they either have a false sense of confidence because they did a palm strike 30 times and then broke a board. Now they're like awesome or, and they're done for like 10 hours in a weekend or because of that method, they hit their wave of ego hit the cliff of reality. They were in a bad situation. The wave broke apart. They couldn't do any of the stuff they did and now they don't trust any self-defense training at all Mm. and this is what i'm running into more and more is hey like this is what i teach we teach very proactive skills we're all about education 80 percent education 20 percent physical hence name of the company right this is Mm -hmm. this is what we do and they're like oh but i took that class and then I got attacked. It didn't work. Well, obviously it's a skill set. You have to work on it or the worst offender. And I'm sure you get this all the time. I tried this on my sister, boyfriend, husband, grandfather, and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And you're like, of course it didn't work. Mm -hmm. You didn't have ill intent to harm your loved one. You started playing a game Mm -hmm. where size and strength are biased because you're not trying to hurt this person. Dominance game. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when Mm -hmm. people do these things and they set it and forget, and they don't reevaluate like the person who was mugged, right? Okay. I was mugged by a person who there was First Nations appearing. They then mm-hmm. were like, okay, now everybody's like that because I've already, this is my thought, set and forget, never reconsider. And I think mm-hmm. this is a huge problem and it goes to clients, to instructors, to everyone is don't think just because you've learned something that you're done learning that thing. We have the idea of like, you actively do continuing education in many different fields. Like right. chiropractic has a medicine. But like, I also noticed that like, sometimes the continuing education, like when it is, forced upon someone, you just go through the motions. Okay, I'm just going to go get those credits. You need to have the intent. You need to get the intent. Like, you need to have people that are like engaged that want to actually learn this stuff. Like if people don't have any reason, like first aid is like the most amazing example of this. Mm-hmm. Every three years, people go get recertified. What do they do? They go in, they uh, listen to like a half day course, they pump on a chest like 20 times, give two breaths, 
done. Yeah, you get your, your certificate. Yay, everything is copacetic according to whatever, I don't know, first aid requirements you need. Right. But when it comes down to like a situation, if you haven't if you haven't done if you haven't practiced it, most people that they get onto the 911 call, like they, they have to be led through it. Like they're not used to like the, the pressure of the situation. That's why many times like the, the operators, it doesn't matter like what they're saying, it's how they're saying it. Like help keep a person like focused enough in a super activated state, hyper fight or flight state to like be useful. Um, I think it was one of your, actually your seminars, I think that you talked about like when we are in fight or flight, we become 50% effectively, everything, we just lose all fine motor control and we're just a bunch of gross motor uh, movements. So like, that's why like, CPR is not fine. You're not trying to like, be gentle. You're like pushing on their chest and like, you're like, got a cadence and like, there's a lot of repetition and like it's like, do this by rote. That doesn't work with self-defense. You need to like, teach adaptability, but how do you teach adaptability? Like you expose people to like a lot of stuff, but your your core basis has to always still be, and that has to do with like just your mental preparation, but also like how do you like pair the mental, the physical, and the spiritual together to, to be able to like work. I know for myself that it, like, sometimes like, I have test anxiety. So like, I can go, if I have a patient in front of me, I'm I'm great. But then when I go in to like, take a written test, like I start to like get nervous, start to sweat, and I am like, like all... Like jittery and stuff like that. And after the test, I'm like, oh, what the hell? Why did I, why was I so nervous about this? And sometimes you have to learn how to manage that. It used to be very, very bad, but because of martial arts and the training and a number of other things that I undertook myself with like the intent to like, get better, I've been able to like, be able to um, go as far as I have. Right. Like, doing all these different <laughs> This education that I have has put me in different countries and different testing situations, different opportunities. And like all these things have taught me that like everything can teach you a lesson. Mm -hmm. You just need to be open to the lesson. And sometimes the, you can hear something a hundred times, but the hundred and first could be the time that it gets in, or it, it could be from like somebody else saying the exact same thing, but like their voice, I don't know, penetrates through the fog that's yeah. surrounding you and hits that, hits that button. And then you're like, oh, okay. That's what he meant. That's why I think like having many people repeating, not repeating the same thing, but like saying, saying the same general stuff in, in a different way. Yeah, different covering manner. the same topic, right? More people yeah. covering yeah. the same topic. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And I, I talk about this. I think I've mentioned like 10 podcasts already, so I'm not going to go super deep into it. Listen to the other episodes, everybody. Yeah. But I agree. The number one, the number one tip that I tell every baby coach is don't repeat, reiterate because it might hit the brain in a different way by using different words because we get into a parent state right we're like punch harder do this like turn your elbow turn your elbow turn your elbow as opposed to turn your elbow okay maybe try pulling your hip okay maybe try right like mm -hmm. take a more diagnostic approach than a i'm in charge do as mm. i say approach and in my experience and i've taught one or two people, it definitely, it definitely makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Dollywall for your time. I love how you're like, yes, yeah, taking me as far as I've gone all the way to doctor. That's pretty far. As mm -hmm. always, we do the promo train. What's coming up for me. I am in Europe. We're doing the Rand Roy European tour, five countries, 10 dates, all that's on the website and the show notes. Check that out. Obviously more episodes are coming out. We'll be filming season two in November. So enjoy season one. If you have any questions, 
questions, please put them on there. And uh, of course, follow us on all the social medias, especially TikTok. If you're on TikTok at Defense Talks with Dad, my daughter is obsessing over the channel right now. So we need to get more stuff out there. Raj, why don't you let people where they can get a hold of you? Okay, so yeah, I am a chiropractor and I practice uh, the Nuka Technique at Providence Chiropractic. We're on the south side, uh, just off of White Mud. Uh, we uh, encourage everyone to, like, if you're having like issues with migraines, headaches, um, any type of upper cervical issue, or like you've been on the um, treatment treadmill or like you've gone through like a bunch of different things, come on, come on in, get a consultation uh, and see like perhaps like our technique and our methodology might be able to help you. I cannot say enough good things about this. So my wife has gone through the treatment and she had migraines that were just absolutely crippling. And when she followed your protocol, when she follows your protocol, she doesn't have them. When she doesn't, she gets them back. But when she does follow it, yeah. and what I love about your method, this I and this is not a paid advertisement, this literally changed her life is your mm -hmm. protocol is based off of there being an end to treatment. It's not forever, like you said, on the treadmill, right? Mm -hmm. It's, we're going to do these. It was a high volume of treatments to start, and then it started, and now she's down to like every six months adjustments. And honestly, right. I cannot say enough good things. You should definitely check this out when you get the chance. Go to Providence uh, Nuka Clinic in Edmonton. You'll be able to like find us on Google. We're also on Facebook, and you can follow me on Facebook at uh, Dr. Rajdal. Awesome. And all that will be in the show notes. Don't forget, we're jumping over to Patreon where we're going to hear the either a one-up story where Raj tells a story that makes him the coolest person at the table, or uh, we're going to do an extended lesson. I don't, I never know what's going to happen. So join us on Patreon. <laughs> if you can't join us on Patreon at the lowest level, patreon.com slash Randy King live. Thank you so much for watching. Please do all the internet things like share, subscribe, tell your friends, hit every button, even dislike. I don't care. Hit every button, get this out there because I'm really enjoying the show. And I think more people need to hear these conversations. We will see you all next week.